Welcome to the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor podcast, LaughBox. We have multiple hosts and multiple guests and multiple ways to think out of the box using humor. LaughBox is a production of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Visit us online at www.aath.org. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Music by Gary Rubio. For more information, www.garyrubiomusic.com. Join us for episode 97 with Jim Bob Williams, KDB, and special guest Jennifer Keith, current president of AATH. Woohoo! Welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. I'm Jim Bob Williams. And I'm Katie B. And our very special guest tonight, and rather appropriate because it's the day after the State of the Union address by President Biden, we're having the president of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, Jennifer Keith. Yay! (laughs) Okay, welcome, Jennifer. Hi, welcome. The state of our union is strong, the the humor union, I will say. (laughs) Perfect. Yes. All right. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about your book and your TED Talk and your term as president of the AATH and anything else that happens to come across our mind. I like all of that. Absolutely. Go for it. Spoiler alert. uh, I knew Jennifer before she was famous. (laughs) (laughs) We took a TEDx class together. We did. And she led to talk in normal Illinois. All right. But her book, Fixing the Funny Bone, The Grit Method to Heal with Humor, is probably the best single volume on therapeutic humor you can find. Wow. Okay. And I say that because it not only talks about the problem, it talks about how to solve the problem. I was a big fan of Grit by Angela Duckworth. Angela. If you're listening to this, you know, please don't take it personal. No. <laughs> but uh, that was uh, uh, Angela uh, Duckworth in Grit. She explored you know, reasons why people succeed and don't succeed. Okay? And when she found that people that had overcome traumas and difficulties in life were more likely to succeed at other, succeed at other ventures. Okay? What uh, Jennifer has done, though, is given people a a method of overcoming those uh, the vicissitudes of life. Jennifer, I'm going to let you tell us what's the inspiration for the book and walk us through grit. Okay. Um, thank you both for having me. And I'm very proud of the work that you're doing for the organization and the world of humor and, and just the world in general. So thank you for, for having me on. And I'm also a big fan of Angela Duckworth and all of her research and, and diving into grit and perseverance. And she was a big inspiration. Um, the grit that I have is an acronym. And so I'm hoping that uh, I can trademark that at some point, but the word grit is, is cannot be kept <laughs> trademarked because it's, you know, it's just as perseverance. And, and I was really kind of thinking, how did I find all of you humor people? Like, how did I, where did we come from? And, <laughs> and um, it was about seven years ago that I was having a, a turning point in my career. I've taught high school English for, for almost 20 years and I knew I used humor as my own personal coping mechanism and I used it in my classroom because that's how I used 
to infotain. That's how mm-hmm. I got my message across. That was the, the spoonful of sugar that went with the medicine that they needed to learn. And I'm an English teacher. So my medicine, you know, isn't usually something, you know, disgusting to me, but Hamlet Shakespeare is not something that's easily accessible to a lot of students who've not had that before, but it's something they needed to know here. I would, you know, and it's a great story. And so I would break it down and we do interesting activities with it. And I try to, I realized that I was then responsible for their entertainment. Also my wit, and I I've been told I have a quick wit was really survival skill as a teacher, but also like a way to lessen the stress of certain things and stress just changed. I don't know that it's more or less than it's ever been. It's just different. And the last three years, we all know that it's been very stressful for whether you were an essential worker and now you're essentially working all of the time, or you all of a sudden, everything you had just stopped or quieted and and all of that. And and so I went through a lot of, of self-reflection and like, where did this humor stuff come from? How did I know to do this? And I grew up in a very funny household. My mom had said early on, we may not have a lot of money, but we'll laugh a lot. Okay. Um, and just learning that things weren't, maybe they were dark, but that didn't mean there wasn't going to be light somewhere. And finding that was just kind of a, a skill that we worked on as a family Um, And then the book kind of came together over 20 years of trauma, which is so much fun. No, it's not. But uh, it's one of those where, um, okay, well, how'd we survive that? Because a lot of people have trauma. I don't know. I have not yet met a person who hasn't. So, and how are we processing that trauma? And, and, and also just the, the permission to grieve loss of any kind. I think a lot of times people think, oh, I I didn't really have a loss because nobody died, but I changed jobs or I got a divorce or my best friend moved across the country or whatever is the thing, or it could have been a fingernail. I don't care, but giving yourself permission to grieve those things, which is the G in the grit method. And then the R is relate, find other people who've been through a loss. It doesn't have to be the exact loss that you've been through or whatever, but find other people. And they don't even need to know that you are using their experience as a way to connect. But then when we move to the I of grit, which is invest, we're then putting time, effort, money, whatever is your method of investment into moving, not necessarily forward in big leaps and bounds, but baby steps in a new direction of investment. And a lot of times it's investing in ourselves, finding the way we can put time into um, or effort into something new, which is exciting. New beginnings are so exciting. And then the T, which is transform. So I'm looking back at memories that were maybe traumatic and I'm going to transform, not necessarily the actual event because those events we can't necessarily find humor in and we shouldn't. Some things, there's not anything funny about 9-11, for example, but there were times around that that had humor in it. And let's find those monopolized so that next time I think about 9-11, I'm not thinking all disaster and all negative and all depressing thoughts. There's, oh, I remember that one little bit of light in the middle of that really dark time. When we start training our brains to think about those things, we don't only think of the dark. And so the next time something happens, 
that's disappointing or is a loss or traumatic, I'm hopefully going to find my funny faster because I've got this training, this practice. But just like any person who's got natural talent or grit, or we have a lovely young lady who is in our um, my high school girls basketball team who has been scouted by all kinds of schools all over the nation. She's got natural raw talent, but I will tell you, she is in that gym for hours every day working mm-hmm. on that skill. So it's not just that she's going to have all these things thrown at her because she knows how to play basketball. And then she just went, yeah, I just know. And she sat down. No, she is still working on that every day. And that's, I think it's important to know our humors are different and that's okay. And what we find funny is different and that's okay. We still got to work at finding those things funny and, and training ourselves to, to find the light in a, in a dark time, if that makes sense. I don't know who's, who said this quote originally in grieving. We never really get over it, but we can get through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the sad part is you kind of have to walk through it. You can't avoid it. It's going to find you. And if we don't process it, it'll surprise us. There are times where it's like, oh, I didn't fix that. So, or I didn't handle that. I didn't process that. So it's going to come up in a really inopportune time and say, hey, I'm still here. You didn't tell me. And that can be really um, surprising and maybe not the intention that we want for things. So it's just, that's been my superpower. Humor has been my superpower. And I, until I found AETH, I just thought I was one of those people that had found that, but I didn't know there was like research about it. And, you know, there's actual studies that say that this works and, oh, this is what it does in your brain. And so finding this organization has just been, you know, lifeline to, I knew it worked. And here's the proof it works. Here's the quantitative, qualitative data that other people may not translate, kind of like Hamlet and Shakespeare. I feel like I'm the go-between of taking this research and making it make sense for people that aren't going to read the papers. And I'm grateful that the papers exist and I can help be the liaison between those and kind of make it make it make sense. <laughs> you know. Hey Jennifer, can I'm I'm the newbie in AATH, right? So I'm first year in the Humor Academy and I'm I'm new like my last first my last uh my first conference was last year and it's so lovely to meet you. Can you briefly say something about your AATH history because you're president? <laughs> <laughs> um I'm not sure exactly how the hierarchy came to be like, oh, warm body, would you like to be on the board? <laughs> But um, I was all in from the moment that I, I met the organization in 2017. So it's not been super long to from newbie to president. So you're on your way, Katie. Um, but <laughs> but I, uh, I went to my first conference as a scholarship uh, award recipient and walked in and thought, oh my goodness, there's a whole lot of extroverts here. Um, and I thought I was the extrovert in my group of people, um, for sure. And then it's like, oh, there are more of us. It's the, it's the, the mentality of, oh, there, there's my people there. They are, (laughs) that's just, they're scattered across the nation, but oh, they're all in one spot. Um, and so that's cool. And, um, walked in and seeing the humor Academy and graduation and, 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 I was all in. I'm in the academy. I will learn all I can learn. And so after, and I love to event plan. So I'm watching all of the things that they're doing for the conferences. And that one, we were in Orlando and I was just 
Yeah, this is this is amazing. All of these people are coming together for the common good of spreading love and laughter and light all across the world. Hey, all right, I'm in. And then after that conference, the president was Mary Kay Morrison. And, and then Beth Slazak was coming in as the new president. And she called me and she said, would you have any interest in planning the next conference that's in Chicago, which is close to where I'm at? And well, yeah, cause I'm an event. I love to do an event. Give me a party to throw. Okay. Um, and it was just from then it was just, yes. And very improv of me. <laughs> very yes. And I love so, it. Yeah. Two years of proof of president elect, but that is elected by the the people. And I think they were all like, and you are again, who, huh? <laughs> but I was like a warm body. Thank you. Um, and so then the last two years of presidency, and then um, in April, I'll move to the past presidency for two years. So seven years on the board, seven years in ATH. <laughs> brilliant. brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. Our Thanks mo- for yeah. that history. Sure. sure. Yeah, the, the motto for officer recruiting is many are called and a few are Shanghai. <laughs> Voluntold. <laughs> For sure. But I did my, my, um, my CHP project, my certified humor professional project was on grit. It was just working with teenagers. Um, and so I hadn't really transformed grit into what it is now, but I had used the acronym grit as gaining resilience in teens because over 20 years, I saw just um, the shift in teenagers and not, not knowing how to handle um, disappointment as much um, and the bouncing back. And I thought, well, Angela Duckworth talks about how you're either born with it or you're not, but that you can, or your level of what you're born with. And, and Ron Burke has done a great paper on grit as well um, about, you know, can you improve your grit? And I think like anything you can, I look at Abe Lincoln, I'm, I'm in the central Illinois and home of all things Lincoln, because I'm in Lincoln, Illinois, which was actually christened by Lincoln on his way to the White House. Um, and so we're very proud of our history here and how many times he ran for things and lost and then got up the next day and went, I'm going to run again. And I thought, what? <laughs> Why would he say, sure, I'm going to try it. I just thought what kept getting, what was in his brain to just say, I'm going to just keep getting up. Grit, absolutely. And that is really, I think the difference is if you're building your grit, you're building your humor. I think they're, they're hand in hand because humor builds resilience, humor helps. And for me, that was, that was my absolute, um, ticket out of dark time. Do you have a methodology to find grit in the hardest of times? Um, I, well, in, in the book, I really kind of break it down under each letter. Um, and, and, chapters on, on just the G on just the grief, you know, because we really have to feel those things before you can move forward. Um, there it's not linear. And so sometimes you find funny times at the moment of grief. Um, and sometimes you don't until years later when you can process what that's been through. So it's each, each thing is kind of specific to the person and specific to your level on, on, of what you feel is of your intensity of that thing. You know, if your best friend moves across the country, but you're still zoom calling and, and you're still doing, and it doesn't feel like they've moved across, you have a little bit of, of grief for that. Um, or somebody else may have, that's just c- complete, um, 
total loss for them. So it's, it's just kind of dependent on the thing, but we go through the steps of, of grief. You need to know what all of those parts look like and, and you can still feel all of the, you know, the denial and all of the, before you get to acceptance for years, if you don't really pop, you know, process that the same thing with relating. So in the, the book, I kind of talk about in the same year, I lost my sister in a car accident and nine 11 happened. And I was in New York city during nine 11, um, which was not where I was living a month before I just moved out there and I was nannying 12 year olds who are both doctors now, by the way, I'm sure that has nothing to do with me. (laughs) (laughs) I told my own children, like, listen, I was only there with them for a year. You've got a lot to make up for. Um, but, uh, so that's a big year of loss and trauma and, and just, being thrown into all of these feelings. And, and, and I even felt some survivor guilt, both through both Mm -hmm. situations of, um, Oh wait, I'm the older sister, or I was supposed to be at the world trade center and I was running late. And so, wait a minute, why, why am I still here? And, and that's something that a lot of people, um, handle in a variety of ways throughout their lives too. Why, why not me? Why, why them? Why not me? Or, or vice versa. Um, and so I was finding, reaching out to just see how, who do I relate to? Um, so then there's questions in, in, at the end of the book about, um, how do you relate to other people? What can you do to relate, to reach out and relating and connecting are different things. Cause I can relate to you without ever contacting you and, and having you have to reach it back out to me. That's on me. I have to do the work. When I connect, that's a even deeper version of relating, but that that involves then another person. So I can do the relating on my own. But when I was living in in New York City after 9-11, I was investing in just exploring and, and finding all of these ways to find light. And there's there's tips and tricks in there too. And then also just some funny stories about, you know how things didn't go as I, as I expected that they would go. And, and then there were, there were humorous things within that. Um, And so that's kind of where my, my Ted talk is a condensed version of that, um, which I just filmed in November and it's hopefully coming out this month um, to be released, but that's anything that can go wrong can be funny. Um, So if I'm going to interrupt you quickly, because I'm going to say, Number one, where do we find this book before we move on to your TED talk? Because I totally want to hear about that too. And is it going to be at the conference? Can we buy it while we're at the conference? Absolutely. So fixingthefunnybone.com or jenniferjkeith.com has links if you'd rather buy. I mean, it's online everywhere. So if you go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com or whatever, you can buy those. Go through my website and I can sign it there. But I will have books at the conference for sure. Um, and, um, that's, oh, and then there's Jim Bob. He's got it. It's also available in ebook and it's on Kindle unlimited. So right now it's, um, the ebook is only on Kindle. Um, and I'm working on the audible as well because I was nervous. I taught for 20 years. It's a, it's a stand-up profession and it's my voice and my tone. And I wasn't quite sure 
if that would come across in, for readers of my my book who don't know me. And so far I'm hearing good things from people that don't know me. They're going, oh, it's funny. Okay, good. <laughs> because they just don't know. But I also know with my Audible and me not being able to stop talking that there might be some bonus stories included in the audio <laughs> version of the book. So <laughs> we're working on that now. Oh, I'm, I'm incredibly excited. I love audiobooks because I'm on the road. So it's really nice between cities or places I'm stopping to be able to listen to audio. So I'm so excited you're doing that too. So I might have to have both audio and okay. the book. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so now I'm going to leave it to Jim Bob for the question about your awesome TED Talk. Oh. All right. Okay, so tell us about the TED experience. Oh, I reached out to a former speaker for our own organization's conference, Cesar Cervantes, who is now on TED Talk 4, I think. Um, and he was starting a TED group to just kind of like help lead other people through the path of, of wanting to be TED. And I had talked with our own uh, Karen Buxman uh, five years ago. Um, because she's got a TED and she's got the the public speaking career and she's got the books and she's I'm like yes I would like to have all of that please how do I do that and she goes well one thing at a time and I was like oh you don't know me <laughs> I do all of those things and the same she's like no no you have to do them one at a time and I thought oh so then it took me a while to kind of process what I wanted to say and and what 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 thing needed to be first and and so I really thought you know if I want to do some more public speaking and which is what I have been doing for 20 years, just with a captive audience uh, of teenagers. How can I then translate that? And what's my bigger message for everybody? And how can I get that to this TED stage? So Caesar at just the exact time said, Hey, you know, would you, you had said you've been interested. Would you like to be on this guinea pig group? And I said, yes, I do. Um, and so we started working on, you know, in a cohort kind of setting with him, just focusing on um, what's the message, what, what the structure of Ted looks like, the great speeches of Ted. I mean, there's lots of people that have a variety of speeches, but what he has found to be successful, um, I've talked with Andrew Tarvin, who's got just a phenomenal Ted and Paul Ozenkup and several of my, my friends, which is so cool to say my friends have Ted talks that are, have done well and, and just saying, okay, what's the trick? What's the, you know? And so through that process and working with other cohorts as well with, with Jim Bob and Mallory DeSalle and just so many great, just brilliant minds um, just going through the, okay, get your message, make sure it's clear, have a great, you know, attention getter, which is things I have taught and coached as a speech person, as an English teacher for decades, but it's hard to coach yourself. <laughs> so, so grateful for his leadership and getting us through. And, and I knew that I had a, a pretty local um, TED X and then through the pandemic, they kind of took a break. And, and I really felt with humor being the topic and my, my method of getting the TED on the stage, I didn't want to do it in a bubble. Um, I might've been able to do it virtually earlier, but I wanted to wait until we could have a, a live audience to do it. I needed, I needed the laughter. That's the, the, the captive audience person in me. I needed to hear if the jokes were landing, if the material was connecting. Um, and so I um, applied 
Um, I went and stalked the people. No, I didn't stalk them, but I, I followed through with them. Oh yeah. Did you get my application? Just want to make sure you have that. And, and they had an issue with, uh, through COVID, um, shutdowns and things that Ted was a little slower at renewal of the TEDx sites. Cause they didn't want people to lose money on saying yes. Cause it's, it's an expensive commitment for an, an, or, an area to say, we're going to do a TEDx event. And so they have to count on sponsors and things like that. And if we weren't going to have in person, they couldn't count on that money. And Ted didn't want him to lose money. We waited. It, it was originally scheduled for February. It was postponed to November, which was even better because by then I had my book finished. I started that in February. I was planning Ted top first, then the book. And then when the Ted was delayed, I thought, okay, time to write the book then. And that kind of started the book. I was connected with my writing coach through, through Caesar um, Ashley Mansour, who is the LA writing coach, worked with her. Um, wonderful, against cohort support, a lot of people writing their greatest things and just such wonderful connections with those people and got the book done. And then Ted started heating up and ended up, it was published the same week as the filming of the Ted in November. So what, you know, so I said, Karen, remember when I said I was going to do them all at once? I did. <laughs> No. <laughs> so it's hopeful it's been sent to Ted. Uh, they have to upload them onto their uh, website and then they will push them out. So I'm seeing a lot more coming out since the holidays are now kind of in the slump area and we're kind of the busyness of that is kind of slowing down. So hopefully they'll be up very soon. Um, I'm hoping this month, the high school that I'm part-time teaching at is so excited. They want to use it for um, an example in April, since April's humor month and show off uh, not only me, but the talk. And they feel like that would be a, a good lesson to incorporate in the, in the school day. So I love that. And I did ask my daughter, who's a senior, is that okay? And she's like, what if it's not? And I said, well, I'm just asking. <laughs> like, yeah, it's fine. They all know you anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's oh, so exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. What does your shirt say? It's okay to talk about mental health. Oh yeah. That's great. That's and different colors on that shirt too. <laughs> what I wear every time I travel and I always get a new friend. Mm, lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. For those that are in the sound of our voice right now, uh, okay, I'd like to talk a little more about investing. Okay. Because personal story here, uh, when I joined AATH, going through a hard time, my youngest son uh, was dealing with the addiction. Actually, shortly after I joined AATH, uh, he passed away of an overdose. Uh, so yeah, I got to learn grieving real early. I was real glad for uh, uh, Melissa Ferguson and her work in yeah. uh, uh, discussing that. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that helped me the most possibly was investing. I didn't know I was investing at the time. I'd always liked humor. I liked humor. I liked science. You know, I was an engineer. I was the office cut up and all that there. Mm -hmm. But I didn't invest the time in learning why humor worked and how it could be applied. And so if if you could hear us now and you're you know, wondering what, and you're in the middle of your grief journey, what to do next. I'd endorse, uh, you know, investing in study. Yeah. And through ATDH, of course, but, uh, so tell, tell us a little more about how, how can people invest? Well, investing looks different for every person because our personalities are different. So absolutely like education is a great 
great thing. It's my biggest platform probably other than humor because education gives you opportunity. Um, so you have more knowledge, you have more uh, things to add to a conversation or, or, you know, it's that leg up kind of thing. It just gives you choice when you have that knowledge, when you have education, you have that choice. So whether you, you know, go through the, the humor Academy and become a certified humor professional, or you just go to Google scholar and find actual research on whatever your topic is for me, I, I invest in, in me. And that's the best gift you can do is to invest in yourself, but that may look different. So it may be, you know, getting the nails done. It may be, I, I love, uh, building Lego, which I know I'm an adult. I should wait. That's, that's like the dupe. No, I, the, what I love about Lego or like a paint by number is that it makes sense. I am not, that is not my gift. Um, painting, art, art, building things like that. I'm not going to create from a pile of Legos, this beautiful structure, but God bless somebody who did, because then I get to feel like I'm this, this, I have this success. It's built in. I follow the instructions. I build the, the, right now, my sister got me for Christmas, the globe. I'm excited to build that. Huh. I get to build the globe. I'm going to build the world, Jim Bob. And step-by-step, step, not in a day, step-by-step, <laughs> step. but it's, it makes sense. I'm going to, and when it's done, I have a sense of accomplishment of this checked the boxes off and it feels artistic. Like I really created that with my own hands, even though someone else made the steps for me, but what I've invested is my time of, of just kind of honing and focusing on something that gives me joy. Um, and when I was in New York, I invested in just trap, just wandering. And so this is in the days we didn't have GPS. Um, and so I just wandered. I was, I was made sure I had a full tank of gas. I was a single woman driving by myself, mm -hmm. making sure I knew kind of where, where I was at. I had the Atlas, you know, the big, cause I didn't want to fold maps. So I had the big book of maps. Um, so if I really got in a big jam, I could really dig out of that, but just kind of wandered. And there was, I really invested in spending time with myself. So all those things that I mentioned were really Lego paint by number. Those are not group projects. That is something that I had to spend time with me and be okay with, with me. And then, then when I came back from New York, I was like, okay, I've spent enough time with me. I know who I am. I'm ready universe to find my husband. So if you'll send him to me, that would be great. If he's wealthy, even better now, <laughs> but, um, and, and, and it was just within weeks of me being ready and centered and, and there that he came along and it's almost, this will be our 20th year of being married. So, um, we're both lucky, but he's luckier. No, wait, <laughs> it's not what I, mean. no, it's good. It's, um, and so investing looks different for every person. So, my, my older daughter loves Lego. It makes sense to her. My younger daughter hates repetitive action. She is the, my creative type. She is building her own worlds and books and characters. And so the Lego would drive her crazy because there's, it's regimented and it has, a, it has rules, but I loved looking at both of them growing up and learning how to read because I'm a book person. I'm a, I love reading. I'm an English teacher. And so my older one very systematic about how she learned to read. 
and loved picture books because they tell a story in in the words and the words match and and invest in the story. My old, my younger one, who is my writer, um, doesn't want to look at a picture. The words need to tell her the picture. And so just so interesting and just my two children, but, and I know that there's more children in the world for sure. But, but for me, that was just like, oh, that's cool. That's so neat that they're both same parents, same household, same, all these things. And so uniquely different on how they would invest their time or invest in themselves. So it looks different, but it's really just spending the time. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be, you know, expensive. It doesn't have to be, it can, it doesn't have to be, you know, self-care in that, you know, you get a, a wash or a wax or whatever you want to do. It can. Um, and so I think there's just, again, like, or investing time in, in learning something or finding memes online that make you laugh. I mean, during the COVID months, really early on in the pandemic, you would see all of these really great jokes that were shared a bajillion, the same joke. And I said, you know what? We are now connecting to all of these people who are now getting it. I think one of my favorites early on was, well, it's day two and I just ate the first, I ate all two weeks worth of snacks. Now what? You know, and so it's like, and I saw it shared a hundred million times. And I thought, oh, everybody else did the same thing. Okay, we're all in this together. Um, and just investing in the things that that bring us together as and spending less time on the things that don't. We have to talk about transforming. Transforming. Yeah. And uh, I think maybe the, the hope is that if for any, again, for anybody, uh, actually, Anybody that's going through a hard time right now, uh, first you know, seek help. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, uh, it is okay to talk about mental health. Actually, the uh, next edition of the book is going to have to have the nine eight eight number in it. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It wasn't published then. Yeah, that came over the summer, so that's good. What is nine eight eight? It's our national suicide hotline. Oh wow. Yeah, and they made it a, like a nine one one, so it's really short and easy to access. But oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing that, that in in grit, the tea isn't transformed, is that there's hope that there's something better, that this grieving process, this you know reaching out to other people and relation investing there, uh, it can really result in permanent, long lasting, uh, positive change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it's like anything. Like the, my basketball girl, you know, she's got to work at it. She's not just sitting, resting on her. Well, I had talent when I was five. We all did. We all were going to be professional athletes and we were all going to be veterinarians and, and, and yeah. five. And, and so it's, it's, it's a, it's a process. It is. And then as you go through it enough times, which I hate that you have to kind of go through trauma in order to find the humor, but the more you do it, then it's, it's fast, faster to find the next time it's, you, you find that you fix the funny bone earlier, quicker or, or whatever. And it doesn't mean that and you're going to have your different levels of severity. I, you know, obviously the death of a child is, is disastrous. There's nothing funny about that, but there may be then, and, and I've really spent a lot of time talking with a, a good friend of mine who is a funeral director. And just, I had said to him, like, how are you coping? How do you do this when you're around sadness all day? And he said, really, there's, I get to watch the whole process. I guess mm -hmm. they come in, especially on a, on a sudden loss. 
they come in and they are just grief stricken and we work through the whole process until they make some decisions. And then there's some acceptance and there's this kind of thing. And, and really then the celebration comes at the funeral or the, the visitation or whatever ceremony they may have then they're they're realizing that the grief is because I don't get to make more fun memories with that person. No. And through that, they're remembering the ones they did make. And so that's where the transforming may be. Um, my sister told me after, so my middle sister passed in a car accident and, and then survived for 30 days in the hospital, but it was very much every day, will she, won't she wake up? And it was very taxing. And we aren't doctors. We could not fix her. So we'll take over this ICU waiting room and we're the hosts. Come on in. So the new families as they're just getting the worst news of their lives that their now family member is in the ICU. And we're like, come on in. Here's the take. This is your area. We are just the hostess with the most. Can I get you something? Because we needed to be caregivers and we could not fix my sister. So that's what we jumped into that role kind of thing. We now laugh about that because we're like, who, who, who gave us the, you know, the crown that said, you're now the queen of the ICU and you'll now welcome. We gave it to ourselves. We just took it, you know, because we had to throw ourselves into that role. And there are people that through grief are throwing themselves into work or throwing themselves into bed, complete opposites. I'm I'm not going to ever work again. I'm, I'm only going to work again. You know, it's just, everyone's going to be different, but being able to process that you find the things that are funny so that a dear, sweet former student of mine, that's now friend is going through a, a difficult, a lot of change at once. And one of them is a family member has lost their child under a year. And it's, there's nothing funny about that at all. As she's processing all of this and all of, and she's then traveling back home and her child, her own personal child throws up in their van. And I thought, oh, that's funny. I won't say that, but someday you're going to look back on this and you're going to go, of course it would happen. Of course, during the midst of all this, my kid would throw up. It's because it's real life. And it's just the Mm -hmm. noticing and recognizing that these things are just another indication that life moves forward. And I'm going to practice that. I'm going to practice gratitude, being grateful for the fact that I am aware of these things or that I'm going to mark this down. I'm going to even record the really dark times in my journal, because maybe next time I look at that, I'm going to think, oh, I remember that things, things got better. And I thought they weren't going to, or, or whatever is that transforming that yours may not be transformed into hilarious, you know, rocking in your chair, humor, and laughter, but it may just be a oh, yeah, a little bit of light in a in a dark room. Hopefully, that helps somebody that's uh, that needs to hear it. That's the goal. And I think it would be remiss if we didn't give you a chance to brag on your daughters. Oh, <laughs> well, my oldest is on her way to. Um, she has. We have two colleges right now. We're narrowing between. She's up for a presidential scholarship at both. So hey. I said, get them both. You get to pick. Um, so that's fun. She wants to be an English Spanish teacher at the high school level. So I said, those skills are going to be wonderful. Even if you decide at some point that you want to take a break from teaching or, or whatever. So great skill building. She's um, bilingual and uh, in Spanish. And so at eight, at 17, really wow. proud of her. And then my 12 year old has some nerve. She's written two books because she has to one up me already. Um, so she published her first uh, young adult fiction novel called Havoc in March. And then she followed it up with Serenity, her um, 
the sequel to Havoc and she's writing the prequel now. She doesn't have a title for it exactly yet, but we use the same uh, designer for both Havoc and Serenity. So they're young ladies who are kind of in silhouette. And, and if you put them side by side on the bookshelf, this is her vision for it. They were looking at each other. So oh. Havoc is is fire and brimstone and Serenity is blue and calm. And, and it's basically two... Um, two teenagers from magical camps of teenagers who have magical powers who um, have to, you know, save the world as, as you do. So the leader of Camp Havoc is all about violence and, and fire and she can control fire. Um, and then the leader of Camp Serenity is, can, it, the mood is set by her, by her, the weather she controls with her mood. So I, I don't know where she comes up with it. I don't, I'm just, Yes, very proud of her. And uh, so she's got her own little website. We did E.G. Keith as her pen name so that no one necessarily knew that she was 12 or what gender she was. And she's, I expect uh, by the time she's probably in college, she'll have written 40 books because there's just no stopping her. She's a good little talent for sure. What, what an inspiration. Oh my goodness. For middle schoolers and high school students. And uh, big people out there everywhere. Goodness gracious. Can you um, can you list all of the websites that you would <laughs> like people to be aware of? And, and can we find you on social media? Well, I'm a big fan. I'm a, as the president of AATH. That's, that's AATH.org. And that is our Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. We are international. So we have members all over the world. And we're um, just such such a welcoming group of people. I, I typically had gone to 20 years of humor uh, of to teaching conferences and we all would go and we'd all complain about our teaching jobs. <laughs> so it's like, well, this is a downer. And then I go to the AATH conference and they're like, you're a teacher. <gasps> That's amazing. And I'm like, oh, well, I like these people. <laughs> so love AATH for sure. Um, I'm a lifetime member, so they're not getting rid of me, even if they wanted to too bad. And, uh, so that's fun. And then, um, I can be found at jenniferjkeith.com or fixingthefunnybone.com for the website. And then, um, I'm on Facebook as Jennifer J. Keith author, as well as Instagram, TikTok as Jennifer Pie Keith, which when, when the, the 12 year old at, at 11 was publishing her book, I filmed her opening the box as it showed up and yeah. put it on TikTok and it went viral and had 400 and some thousand views of it. And, and so, um, we had, you know, a lot of inspiration there. We've had people reach out, how do we do this? And she does some personal appearances at 12 when everything is embarrassing. And probably me saying that is even more embarrassing. If she listens to this, she'll hate me, but she'll get over it. So, cause it's middle school, right? So everything's mortifying and, and, uh, she's, but we are doing the, what we call guerrilla, uh, book marketing. And we are just leaving little copies of our books all over as we travel and, and taking pictures. And so we, we had, uh, a wonderful trip this summer that was postponed during COVID years to go to um, Europe. And so we left a copy of Havoc at the Eiffel Tower. We left a copy of Havoc at the, the Big Ben. We left a copy of Havoc at the Michelangelo in, in Florence and, and 
and then Orlando, we left a couple at the the penguin exhibit at SeaWorld and somebody within five minutes reached out and said, I've got your books. And so, yes. And I left a copy for Jimmy Fallon at uh, Universal Studios and somebody else has it, but that's okay. Eventually I'll send a copy to Jimmy. And so that's, I think where we, you, E.G. Keith is the daughter. Um, and uh, yeah, we're all over. Be hard to, hard to miss us, I think. <laughs> I just, I love the family dynamic, the supportiveness, the creating together, the building together as a family. I just, I want to highlight that a little bit because that's not always the story that you hear. And I want to give you a whole lot of credit for that. Started with my mama you know, and she said, we're not going to have a lot of money, but we're going to laugh a lot. And I thought that's how I'm going to raise my girls. I want them uh, my mom passed now four years ago, um, so she doesn't get to to see them on the earth. But I just know every time they do something, I'm like, oh, your mama would have thought that was amazing. She wanted to be an English teacher too. My sister that passed um, in a car accident, she was an English teacher. So it's just, you can't escape that part for our family. And And my husband is a super supportive and he's a marketing whiz. And so he puts together the PR packages and that kind of thing and and he's happy with being in the, in the background and, and not in the spotlight for sure. But um, he's, yeah, it's definitely a family affair. We've been uh, very lucky to be able to work on these things together, even if they're embarrassed by me at most days because they're teenagers. They're teenagers. <laughs> yeah, job. We, yes, exactly. <laughs> that is their job, especially middle school when everything uh, changes and, uh, and it gets, don't talk about it. Stop talking about it. It's embarrassing. I mean, oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and mom, uh-uh. oh yeah. So mom, yeah. Uh, let's talk about adult embarrassment. Um, <sighs> have you gone through menopause yet? I am. I'm kind of warm right now. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to mix it up from the middle school. Just give the mom a little embarrassment. <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard to embarrass me. I, I, I yeah. There's a lot of uh, stories in the book for sure. <laughs> embarrass myself doing for sure. But I figure, well, you know, I, I, I'll put it out there and everybody else can know like, oh, well, that's hilarious. She's a fool. And so she's, <laughs> we all are. You know. Well, this is amazing. Um, I, I think we need to hear about Thursday, Jim, Bob, I'd love to hear about that's right. Thursday. That's right. All right. Jennifer is, uh, this is my universal question. Okay. This is what it comes down to theology or engineering or uh, anything like that. What does humor mean to you on Thursday? Um, in other words, it's just an ordinary day of the week, ordinary troubles. How does humor help you get through Thursday? Well, Thursday is a really tricky day because as a teacher, I always talked about throat punch Thursday. <laughs> um, so all week, kids could earn the right to be on the list for throat punch Thursday. And I will tell you, if you ask any one of the thousand students I know I have, I have taught over the years, they will say, oh yeah, throat punch Thursday. They know, um, I did not ever have to do it, but there were a few people on the list that would work themselves off the list by Thursday. So Thursday was a special day in humor. Um, I remember my last evaluation before I, I decided to become a, um, technology coordinator full-time. Um, my last evaluation, the superintendent was my evaluator and it was a Thursday and the kids were like, 
oh, she won't say it because, you know, the big boss is here. He's like, well, they were really well behaved for you. I said, well, yeah, because it was throat punch Thursday. And he was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I put on the same dog and pony show I do for the students that I would do for any adult that walked in the room that I would do if it was on television. I am, I am me a hundred percent of the time. This is who you get. Um, And so I'm not changing because you're evaluating me. You get, you get the same thing the kids get. And so he, was, he just started laughing and he's like, okay, well, it works. <laughs> so that's what Thursday in the land of humor means to me is, and it could be, I guess, if you're not funny, you get throat punched, but really it was just more, it was my way to have classroom management to also add a little bit of levity, you know, as teenagers, everything's embarrassing. So any type of infotainment you could throw in there, that's what we would do. That, that is brilliant. Uh, my wife is an English teacher. She's going to love uh, Throat Punch Thursday. (laughs) I'm sure there's somebody at the Board of Education, HR, who's going, ah! (laughs) I never hurt a a child. No child was injured in the making of Throat Punch Thursday. TPT. And and my next question would be, what advice could you give? You know, teaching is tough. And teaching today is tough. Yeah. Would you have some advice for upcoming teachers and young teachers and teachers today in general? Well, as as I'm looking at my own kid who's thinking of of education and I'm just, I'm trying to not send anything that's jaded in my head to her. You know, it's just, I love that she's excited about teaching. I still am excited about teaching. I was talking with a a teacher yesterday because I'm still part-time at the high school that where my daughter's at and which I love. And I was talking to her and she said, gosh, the kids really miss you in the classroom. They don't even know that they, you're just so full of, of ideas and, and lessons. And I said, but that's the, the, the students are just going to be older. They're just going to be more broadly reached, I guess. But I just think that the, the biggest takeaway is that there is hope. Nothing is permanent. It's all temporary. Um, so a bad day is, is just that. Um, you have lived through 100% of the junk you've been thrown at you. You may not have lived it at 100%. You didn't get an A plus every day, but you have survived every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that doesn't mean that you won't survive tomorrow. So we just get up and we do it again. And not everyone is going to love everything we do. They don't have yeah. to. We're all different. I'm so grateful for all of the differences of talents that are surrounding me. Um, you know, I am not going to be an engineer, Jim Bob, no matter what you say, <laughs> but I'm grateful that you are. And, and, and all of the people that have different skills than I have, it just is such a gift to be able to look at that as a gift and not, well, they're so different from me. Yeah. Can you imagine a <laughs> hundred thousand of you? Like sometimes we can can't handle one minute by ourselves because I don't know if I like who I am. So I think it's just a value to say, you know, everything is temporary. It's you've survived it all so far. There's nothing to say you won't survive tomorrow. You can do this and, and just get up and and try your best. Thank you. That's wonderful. All right. I could go for uh, hours, but first I want to thank you, Jennifer, coming to talk with us today. Again, this is Jennifer Keith. Her book is fixing the funny bone. The Grit Method to Heal with Humor, available at fine bookstores. Jennifer J. Keith, and, and even unfine ones will have the book potentially. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> or you can go to the Eiffel Tower. Maybe you'll find somebody yeah, who left a copy of that. So. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> love that. No Actually, you'll find a copy of Havoc there. That's. <laughs> well, I can put. I'll if you want to pay. For, I will go again and leave. No, I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you better. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be part of it and keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for episode 97 with Jennifer Keith, the amazing current president of AATH, and our hosts, Jim Bob Williams and Katie B. Thank you very much. This has been LaughBox, brought to you by the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. LaughBox is a production of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Visit us online at www.aath.org. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Music by Gary Rubio. For more information, www.garyrubiomusic.com. And we'll see you next time.